Indeed, and I am the chairperson for the DVOC, and I am the play person for Parks and Rec, so it's a collaboration with myself. You are a walking collaboration. You are listening to Hey, Tony. Hey, Billy. I'm in the woods, but the woods in the city. I'm in Wissahickon Park. What you're looking Part at? Part of the Philadelphia's extensive park system. So, um, so, for those who are listening to us, what we're doing on this little call is, is we're about to post, or you're actually you're listening to, an episode of Wildlife Bling, of like little wildlife observations or moments um, with some explanation. And Tony and I have both been crazy busy lately. Tony just moved. Um, I just got married. Uh, so we've had trouble, like, getting together to sit down and do a proper episode. I um, moved so and moved. I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm in between houses and I'm in between work sites. Oh, tomorrow you should come to the open house. I forgot to tell you. At From from 12 to 3, officially announcing that Parks and Recreation will now be staffing Cows Creek Environmental Center with me at the helm. That is so awesome. So basically, Tony just got promoted to run an environmental center um, in West Philly, which is so awesome. It's a place that Tony and I have long been involved with in a previous organizational uh, version. <laughs> and so, like, we're very optimistic that um, with the city running it and with Tony running it, <laughs> yeah. that it's going to achieve its full potential as just a really awesome environmental center for, for adults and kids from – just uh, you know, really urban neighborhoods, right on, right on the, right in West Philadelphia. It's awesome. Yes, yeah, it's great. Um, where I work now is phenomenal, but it's uh, you know, a little remote and for walking distance for most people. And Penny Pack yeah. is a little bit easier to walk to, but not quite. This one is a walking distance of you know a hundred thousand people, at least. Yeah. I mean, awesome. it's not a million. <laughs> what I wanted to ask you about, but more linked to the woods. Tell me about this red squirrel you saw. But I'm actually here at Trish, who actually spotted it and brought my attention to it. But, yeah, there was a red squirrel at our, at our feeder. And red squirrels are, you know, they're pine specialists. So while there's some nice stands of pine and hemlock in this park, there's not there's, there's a few ornamental spruces and some cryptomerias and some other conifers nearby the center hemlock here, too, but not the big stands that are in the park. So I hadn't actually seen one in the park at all yet, even though I tried a few times. And this one comes right to our feeder. and. That was really cool. I mean, if you live in a city in their core range with lots of pines, it's probably not unusual to you. But for me, to see one in the city was pretty awesome. It's the kind of thing where, like, the person here, person there says, hey, you know what? I think I saw a red squirrel in the woods of Hicken. And, like, I went out a couple times into the, the big stands of white pine trees in the Wissahickon and didn't see any. So it's awesome that one just kind of shows up at your feeder. <laughs> yeah. Give a description of what a red squirrel looks like, like, in comparison to the ubiquitous gray squirrel. So they're smaller, I think more compact. Um, they have big, and they, they are red, um, you know, like a like a roofy brown, but pretty red color. And they have, a, I, I'm not sure if it's the eyelids with exactly the actual anatomy involved, but they do have white, significant white around the eye, much more distinctive than the uh, than the ring around the gray squirrel's eye. Like it's very distinctive white around their eye. Yeah, I, when I've seen them, I kind of think of them as like a little miniature elf squirrel, you know, like yeah. compared to the squirrels. And then the other thing I want to ask about is how did it go with the walk with Christian on the parkway? So that was great. Um, so 
we did a walk with Christian um, from the art museum in Philly down to City Hall. And Philly has a an avenue modeled after Paris, with lined with museums, or at least they tried to line up with museums. There's a few apartment complexes and big uh, and big skyscrapers instead of just museums, but it's still really nice, beautiful boulevard, fountains on either side, and it goes you know, directly from City Hall with Art Museum, and, and those are both spectacular buildings. Like, you know, Art Museum is about as spectacular as Art Museums get, and uh, and our City Hall is actually the biggest City Hall in the world, the biggest masonry building in the world. And it's, it's this spectacular building. And right in trees lining the uh, the boulevard, right from the Art Museum, is a active red-tailed nest. And there was uh, two young in the nest, and adults were, were feeding it and uh, flying around. The both of, we saw both of those on the uh, hunting along the boulevard. Well, I guess the parkway they call it, but you know it's modeled after the boulevard in Paris. And then we get to City Hall. And outside of La Cologne, which is the best spot to see it, uh, we saw uh, two juveniles and an adult came in with a prey item, and which was a pigeon. Wait, uh, so that was really awesome. Wait, you, you might have clipped out there, but the ones you saw from La Cologne were were the peregrines. Yeah, the peregrine falcons. Yes. And you're sitting in a coffee shop called, in French, the Pigeon, right? Yeah, and like, essentially, yeah. <laughs> watching peregrine falcons eat pigeons, um, I think it's awesome. And it's and this is and so like when we talk about I mean, the Wissahickon, where Tony's been working, and then in Cobb's Creek, those are two creek corridors where you could say, hey, this is, like, forest and meadows and stuff, and a stream in the middle, or a creek in the middle. But, like, from that extreme, you know, like, within the city, from that extreme where you saw the red squirrel, like, to the utter other end of the extreme where you're you're in, like, the most urban and the most built-up part of Philadelphia with museums, skyscrapers, city halls, everything. Great range of urban wildlife experience. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so, and the Christian that we're talking about is Christian Hunold, um, who's our frequent guest host and political scientist from Drexel University, who studies sort of urban ecology, urban wildlife, and human interactions and is an avid wildlife photographer and is especially an avid photographer observer and has actually written about this academically about the the hawk population in center city and the people who who avidly watch them and keep an eye on them and was the walk with uh was it a bird philly thing uh, yes it was indeed so the walk was in association with bird philly which is is it still a partnership of the delaware value and philological club and Philadelphia Parks and Recreation. Indeed, and I am the chairperson for the DVOC, and I am the point person for Parks and Rec, so it's a collaboration with myself. You are a walking collaboration. So with that, you know, everybody, please lean back and listen to some more observations from, from that I've recorded. As usual, you can write us an email at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com or tweet at us at urbanwildlifecast. We love your reviews on your podcast listening app of choice um, and rating, so please leave those. Please tell your friends about the podcast. And if you've got any little observations in your city uh, that you want to record a quick note about and send to us, we'd love to hear them, and we'd love to find some way to get them into the podcast. If you've listened to this podcast very much, you might have heard me, one of your co-hosts, Billy Brown, talk a little bit about how much I love black rat snakes and about how much I would love to find a black rat snake inside the city of Philadelphia. It's my favorite snake, my favorite place. I'd love to find one in here. I saw one get away from me once in the northwest part of the city, 
Um, I've had people send me pictures from various parts of the city, and I had myself not found one or seen one until yesterday morning, until Saturday morning. That morning, Magnolia, my daughter, and I were having breakfast up on the roof, watching some swifts and other common birds in the neighborhood, starlings, sparrows, robins. Um, a couple of crows were doing some acrobatics, flying up in between the twin houses on our block. So it was a, a nice morning. Came inside and I saw a text from our good buddy and frequent guest host, Mike McGraw. And he was saying he'd just seen a juvenile black rat snake down around um, the Pier 53 uh, redeveloped pier along the Delaware waterfront in South Philly, where his firm, Applied Ecological Services, had done a lot of work on the, the redevelopment and the, the ecological restoration of that pier um, with a lot of native plantings, and since then, some monitoring to see what's going on down there, see how wildlife are taking to it. He was down there looking at breeding birds and had seen the rat snake. To set the scene a little bit, the Pier 53 had been a decaying set of timbers and sort of a pier with some trees on it sticking out into the Delaware River. This is an industrial area or a post-industrial area. It also is not the first place you'd think of for a to, to support a population of relatively large snakes. Um, this is not a huge park. This isn't the Wissahickon. This isn't Cobbs Creek. It isn't like Central Park or anything like that, if you know New York. Um, it is a strip of post-industrial wasteland, a little bit of which has been converted into park space. Okay. He's at the Washington. He's at a. He's at a pier down in South Philly. So we're in the car, getting ready to go. Ready after Okay, we are driving across Washington Avenue now, getting closer. In the 20s, so 20 blocks to go. All right, we're at 16th. Mike McGraw, who saw it, is holding his position keeping an eye on the little snake, even though it is starting to rain and it's 64 degrees outside. Apparently he's hiding in the bushes to stay dry. There's a detour on Washington Avenue. This is just the wrong time for this. We don't need detours on Washington Avenue. There's some kind of Italian market block party or festival that's got, oh, now we're behind a trash truck. Oh, come on. Oh, man. Okay, turning back onto Washington. Whew, clear sailing from here, it looks like a couple minutes until we see the rat snake. Okay, we're getting ready to park across the street, and then we're going to go out in the rain and see this rat snake. Mike had to grab it because it was starting to flee, so he is still out in the rain for us. So we're going to see this rat snake in a second. Alright, we are hustling through the rain. We're walking closer and closer. How you doing, Magnolia? Okay. Where's Mike? I think I see him right there. This is a true friend. So who wants to hold the umbrella? Magnolia? You're can you getting hold it? so big, my goodness. Two hands, two hands, okay. I'm under here with you. And that is a wee little rat snake. I'm gonna trade Mike. I'm gonna give him the mic, actually. That's kind of funny. Oh, Here, nice. Mike, have a mic. And I'll Here. look at the rat snake. I think it might have a, a nestling bird in its tummy. 
So this probably ate a baby bird. And this is a, oh man, it's adorable. It Isn't is, that wonderful? At least like a foot long. Um, it's probably 16 inches. Yep, and it is a juvenile black rat snake. We'll send pictures, we'll include pictures in this in the podcast, but. Um, I got photos of it in situ as well. Yeah, so this is like last year's adult, or last year's. Baby. Baby, so this animal's less than a year old. And so the interesting questions, we have a lot of interesting questions about it. What did it, how did it end up here? Right. Are there, I don't think there are breeding adults on this pier. I don't think so either. There are breeding, there are adults not too far from here. And so they conceivably, you could, you could imagine something crawling along the edge, like the, the ribbon of green we have along the river. So there, um, I mean, there's random soil mounds all over around here. Yeah. I mean, an adult black rat snake could travel a good distance, especially a female looking for a nest. Yeah. So some, it's conceivable that there's more than this one because there's a clutch that hatched yeah, out not terribly far away. We wouldn't expect a baby to have traveled very far on its own. Exactly. But a four foot, five foot female black rat snake could travel quite some distance. Cover some ground. Right. So they All probably right. did cover some ground and dug a nest somewhere nearby or right. laid eggs in a who knows a, a, the mulch pile there's a huge mulch pile over here for years uh. there could that could have easily been uh where a clutch was laid yeah and this is you know one of the ones that managed to disperse into a wild space where it actually has a fighting chance of survival and because we restored this, it's looking really good. There's a lot of shrubby It's like a, it's a bushy development. area. Yeah, there's a lot of shrub development now. So there's a noticeable increase in breeding birds. We're going to let it go exactly where we found it. Well, so understand. I'm walking along here, and I see that this shrub is flowering. So I leaned over what to take What kind of shrub is it? I've I got to key it out. I forget, which is shame <laughs> on me. That's Ivaphrictessens. I know that. That's uh, Viburnum dentatum, or Viburnum here. lentago. Hold on to me. Um, this is a this is a shrub that's native to the freshwater tidal marsh ecosystem in southeastern PA. Okay. So that's why we planted it. And this flowering looks quite, quite pretty. Did you yeah, get some pictures these, of it? It's these umbels. I didn't even get the picture of that because I leaned like this. And hey, look it's, at that. There's yeah, a snake. See these deformed leaves? Yeah, it was just back in there. So it was, it's, its tail was wrapped around here and its body was draped that way in an ambush position. Oh. I mean, I don't, maybe this is where it got this meal from. All right, so we're watching it. It is, is it descending? Yeah, it's descending. I want to see. Well, then get in, stand where Mike's standing. Come over here. Get and on. peek in there. So if you look right here, you can see the tip of the tail. You got to stand like all the way in here. There's your tail. All right, we're watching. You can see it's still, see it sort of descending or descending slowly. Yeah. And atmosphere here, I'm holding a umbrella over us as we get rained on looking at this little rat snake climb down a bush overlooking Overlo high, high tide in the Delaware River and the Delaware River as what kind of swallows are these you got actually three species there's mostly barn swallows there's also tree swallows and northern ruffling swallows yeah it's in my pocket Go so I'm sorry barn swallows ruffling swallows and Northern Roughwing, oh, I already said that. Northern Roughwing, Tree Swallow, and Barn Swallow. Hey, hold that for a second. Sure, all of which are breeding on the pier, too, which is pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, the Tree Swallows are go, breeding honey. out on those abandoned uh, posts. Nice. The Northern Roughwing Swallows are breeding in, um, so in the, the edges where there's actual native soil. 
Okay. Well, I don't know if it's native, but where there's actual soil uh, instead of like hardscape. Or, the soil, yeah. yeah, they do these individual burrows. And uh, the barn swallows are nesting underneath the boardwalk. Very there. nice. So. And what did we hear calling over our shoulder a minute ago? Like our It was a black pole warbler. Did you hear that? How long are you going to hang out here in the rain, It's dude? time to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally time to go. Um, bye-bye, snake. I'm actually glad that it rained because then it, like, kept people from wondering what I was doing. I was, like, hiding in the shrubs over there with my binoculars. <laughs> One firefighter walked past. I scared the crap out of him. I felt yeah. bad. Quick postscript. Um, we're in Dunkin' Donuts. I'm gonna get, we're going to get Mike a coffee and a donut as a thank you for spotting the snake. Who are you talking to? Future people. Um... And it's pouring outside. <laughs> this guy's really opened up, so we got there just in time. If you want to hear us talk more about the Pier 53 project with Mike McGraw, um, you can listen to our October 30th, 2015 episode um, about the Pier 53 skinks. Hey, podcast listeners, here is another story of urban snake discovery, in this case with something called a short-headed garter snake. Now, garter snakes you might be familiar with. These are um, striped, medium to small-sized snakes that you find throughout eastern North America and through a lot of western North America, too. There's actually more species out west than there are out east. But there's this one kind of garter snake that lives um, in Pennsylvania and a little bit in neighboring New York. Um, It's called a short-headed garter snake, and they hail from unglaciated portions of the Allegheny Plateau. So this is in northern Pennsylvania, sort of from like the middle of the state over a little bit to the west. I'm still in sort of the northern third of the state. Even though it's called a plateau, it's very much incised and eroded by by rivers. And so in practice, it's like a bunch of mountains. And these snakes, although that's where they're from, uh, they also turn up in other cities uh, that are away from the unglaciated portions of the Allegheny Plateau. So there's records of them in Pittsburgh, PA, which is like 100 miles from their native range, which is really far if you're a, an 18-inch little snake. There are also records of them um, in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is on Lake Erie and is you know another 100 miles in another direction. And so a leading hypothesis for how they ended up so far outside their native range is that they piggybacked on timber shipments on other kinds of natural resource commodity shipments back when the cities that they're now in were bigger industrial centers. Erie is a sort of declining port city on Lake Erie. Pittsburgh has a long history as a major industrial town, and so it totally makes sense that little snakes might have stowed away in shipments of timber or something like that down to uh, yards in Erie, down to yards in Pittsburgh and whatnot, and gotten established. It's this neat kind of urban nature story where where you've got animals that have followed really trade routes, economic activity. You know, if you're a fan of William Cronin and um, Nature's Metropolis about Chicago and sort of looking at how you can overlay natural resource flows with capital flows and other things like that, like here's a case where we can overlay probably capital flows and natural resource flows with flows of, of wildlife. You know, in April of 2016, we did an episode 
Arthropods Through the Ages, in which we interviewed Allison Bain, an environmental archaeologist who studies the remains of insects in, in historical sites and sort of looks at what those can tell us about how people lived in those places by what kind of bugs were living with them. And she had talked about how, for example, you can see European bugs in, let's say, native villages ahead of European settlement, sort of showing that trade goods from Europe made it to those places that really hadn't been reached by European people yet. And so sort of looking at animals, tracing trade routes. Um, and so here we have another example, but this time with a snake um, and more recent trade routes from natural resource extraction centers to places where those natural resources were processed or, or, or shipped. And they're also just cute little snakes. <laughs> um, they're one of my favorites and uh, the whole species group. I love them. Um, so they're, they're closely related to a snake called the Plains Garter Snake, um, which occurs, as the name implies, out in the Great Plains in North America, which I caught in Minneapolis recently. They're also related to a snake called Butler's Garter Snake, which um, is from the sort of more central Great Lakes, I guess. I, was, I, I caught some about a year ago um, on a trip to Detroit. So this is a, a really neat little group of snakes that I've had a lot of fun catching in urban sites uh, all throughout the East and Upper Midwest now. I am standing along a railroad track in Pittsburgh, PA, and holding a squirmy little male short-headed garter snake. It's like some metalworking warehouses, some railroad tracks, a weedy margin of a railroad track embankment, I'll say that much. Kind of a cloudy day, the 60s, flipped a baby decay snake a minute ago. I was here a few years ago, didn't find much, but this, this is a short-headed garter snake. It's a sweet little snake. So it is a sort of muted colors, um, kind of different shades of tan and chestnut, but a smart looking snake. Um, sort of the black dashes that are the margin of the lateral stripe on the top kind of look like stitching. So it has this kind of like fabric look to it um, with this delicate little head and oh, pretty black eyes. I just love this snake. I am in town on a business trip basically. I did my presentation in my suit um, and then changed into my crappy herping clothes in my car in a parking garage drove to the spot and started flipping. I'm gonna try one more historic shorthead garter snake spot um, in Pittsburgh and it's a little more residential but still big vacant area. I wonder what this property was before it is what it is now but I flipped I picked up like an old shirt and there was one decay snake, one brown snake in shed underneath it. Um, so blue eyes getting ready to shed its skin. And I thought, okay, that's a snaky spot. And then I tried to block a concrete because I was like, hey, it's a snaky spot. And there were like four or five short-headed garter snakes underneath it. And they, they are known to be gregarious. Like you find one, you find a bunch. But still, that was amazing. Hell of a trip. This next part doesn't need much introduction. So here is some exciting urban wildlife action that we caught at lunch. All right, I'm sitting here with Dave Hewitt, and there goes the hawk with the squirrel in its talons. That was, that was badass. Amazing. All that right, was so we are in 
Washington Square Park, just having lunch and chilling on a bench next to the fountain at around 1.30. In the afternoon. What do you say? It's like in the mid-60s and kind of cloudy. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and All the trees are leafed out. Squirrels were playing around and kind of creeping around looking for crumbs like they do. And um, all, what we noticed was a it's hawk visual. like comes down and basically lands next to a guy in a business suit <laughs> reading something on his lap on a bench, sort of like... Uh, a third of the way around the, the fountain from us and then we realized that it was it was pursuing a squirrel that was darting around some small bushes behind the guy then the hawk landed and it seems like it nabbed the squirrel and then flew away mm-hmm. so and it was so quiet the people that were sitting in front of it didn't notice it yeah the guy was, noticed only because there's a hawk at his shoulder yeah yeah the wind the wind <laughs> probably, probably it was incredibly silent and the people that were sitting to the side didn't notice until they heard the leaves shaking around. So this is not the first time I've seen hawk squirrel predation in this park. One time I was, I was doing squirrel fishing and a guy stopped and asked me about it because he thought I was setting the squirrels up for, for, you know, for death. And then pointed out a hawk under a bush eating a squirrel while I was sitting there. I was like, oh, hey, look at that. As always, if you like the podcast, rate us on your podcasting app of choice. Please leave a comment. Please feel free to tweet at us at Herb Wildlife Cast. Send us an email at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we want to hear your ideas for the podcast. And uh, even if you have little adventures like this, maybe record them and, and we can include them also in the podcast.